Yes, hello folks, welcome to another special episode of Beyond the Pitch. I'm your host as always, Phil Brown, and delighted to have back for the second time the fantastic Zach Louie. We had such a tremendous response that last time Zach was on the podcast, I've been wanting to ask him for a week to come on, but I didn't want him to think I'm stalking him, so <laughs> delighted to have him back on the show. Don't forget folks, check out this guy's BTL, at BTL Breaking the Lines, fantastic content on there, especially for Manchester United fans who were looking, I was reading on there yesterday, some a fantastic breakdown of Ten Hag and his tactics, so... Uh, strongly recommend you subscribe or uh, follow Zach uh, or his at BTL, uh, his own website, Breaking the Lines, for exceptional content. Zach, how are you doing? Hey, Phil, doing very well. Uh, once again, excited uh, and thrilled to be back on Beyond the Pitch. have a lot of interesting stuff to talk about, but I uh, just wanted to say uh, definitely check out uh, the latest Cortellinius podcast that dropped uh, today, um, it's a it's my top twenty five players of the Primera Liga season, uh, and I did that with uh, two guys, two brothers who run the Long Ball Football podcast. So really interesting, uh, very in depth uh, analysis about the top twenty five players in the Primera this season. Well worth checking out, folks. Um, Zach, <clears throat> so much to talk about. There's a million topics I could pick your brain at. The first one I want to talk to you about is Xavier Barcelona because the contrast between him and Koeman couldn't be greater. And there was a resignation when Xavi took the job that due to Barca's financial situation, they were just going to have to accept they were not going to be able to compete with Real Madrid or, or any of the other top Spanish teams for a few years. But that doesn't look to be the case. Xavi has done a fantastic job since he's come in there, um, culminating in the win at the weekend, of course, where Real Madrid were atrocious. But what has Xavi done differently that's resulted in Barcelona's improvement? Yeah, it really is. Uh, it really has been phenomenal to see. And overall, I think that uh, for the first time in so long, Barcelona, um, a club that it kind of feels like has, has been stinking, like, you know, um, that has, has so many memories that they have failed to shake off, such as, you know, the game against Roma, but also you know, the, the economic burden, you know? So I would say like for the first time in a while, it, it honestly feels like they, they've been through the muck, you know, they've been through the rain. And now after that, they've, they've finally been cleaned. You know, this, it feels like a clean start with Joan Laporta, Xavi, um, as well as these new players, you know, having to replace um, in outgoing talismans such as Lionel Messi of his caliber. That is so hard, but when you're when you're taking these new players who were in needs of fresh starts themselves, such as Alma Traore, such as Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, such as Dani Alves, um, it is just incredible to see, honestly. And and I think that is part of why they have done so well under Xavi. This is without a doubt, I think their best football they have been they have played uh, since I would say since since uh, Ernesto Valverde's final full season um 2019-20 I believe um yeah this this is really exciting and and I'm I'm really excited to see how they do in the latter stages of the competition I you have to caution it by saying of course Real Madrid were playing without Karim Benzema and that in itself is is just it, it is a loss that cannot be explained but uh in terms of how impactful it is but with that being said this has been, this really was one of the most dominant performances in a Clasico. I would say the most dominant uh, one-sided one 
since uh, the Classico win that saw uh, Julian Lopetegi dismissed. You mentioned there are a number of players that were signed <clears throat> and uh, all with points to prove, but also on top of that, there were some players at Barcelona with points to prove, one of them being Dembele, who's been proved significantly. And of course, some of the young players that have come through, Pedri, Gavi. I want to ask you specifically about Pedri uh, because a lot of hype around this kid right now. He looks absolutely magnificent. Um, easily one of the best young players in the game. So obviously he's the best young player in the game at his age. How highly do you rate Pedri? He is an absolute world beater. Uh, he is a 10 out of 10 talent. I, I have a feeling that he is going to be one of the best players of the of the next decade for both cl- club and country. Uh, you know, at such a young age, at 19 years of age, he has already dropped a phenomenal performance in the European Championship for Spain. Uh, this is a kid who combines... Uh, in and re- really unstoppable work rate, you know, the ability to cover every blade of grass and uh, combining that with you have his vision, you have his creativity, you have his dribbling, so many other key attributes that I think will eventually uh, in the coming years turn him into a world-class midfielder. Yeah, I'm really excited to see his development as well as Gavi, like I said, some of the other young players coming through. Um, what I ask you about what Barcelona may do this summer because there was talks and I don't understand how this could even be realistic of the meeting with Minariola about Holland. Obviously, uh, they're still one of the world's biggest football clubs, but realistically, what can they do this summer? Realistically, I do not think that they can be in the running uh, for Erling Holland. I mean, yes, uh, we've talked about their new start and, and talked about the inspiration, but uh, Adam Atraore was a loan signing, okay, you know, and I expect them to, I would still expect them to sign him on a permanent deal, but definitely at lower, uh, a lower fee, definitely including Francisco Trincao, most likely in the deal. But, you know, we'll see what happens with uh, George Menz. Aubameyang, they signed on a free transfer, uh, and they are also set to sign Frank Cassier on a free transfer. And I, I think this is definitely shrewd business, but... When you take that and, and look at Barcelona's ongoing debt problems, when you look at the fact that they still are far from being outside, out, of, out of the hole, you know, um, it is just seem simply unrealistic and foolish for Barcelona, I think, to, to engage in that. Um, you know, they, they need to be, they, they need a reality check, you know, and realize that the, your, your performances on the pitch are not necessarily your performances uh, in the bank, you know. Just, just take a little chill pill and 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 just sit 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 this one out. You know, um, the fact is they have to cover a lot of other positions. You know, they need to take care of the renewals for Gavi and Ronald Araujo. Okay, they need to figure that out. They need to uh, yes reinforce their attack, especially with Ansu Fati's ongoing injuries and the you know, uncertain situation of Memphis Depay and other players. But I just don't think it is prudent for them to be uh, potentially putting themselves in more debt for just one player. That's really, you know, that, that one, that short-sighted approach of just chasing the next big star, you know, the next big thing, whether it's Coutinho or Usmane or Griezmann, that landed them in this mess. They need to just be a little bit more careful and, and recognize that uh, the, the economic health of the, co- of the club comes first. Let me ask you quickly about Ronald Araujo, because he's a player that's been heavily linked away from Barcelona. Reports this morning that they have not been able to agree, agree a contract extension for him. 
Uh, what do you think his future is? Ronald Araujo is a player who um, I, I really have been impressed with at Barcelona over the past two seasons, I think has emerged as one of their best and most consistent players over a very turbulent uh, time frame. And, and overall, you know, he is a player who, uh, whether operating as a center back or as we saw against Real Madrid, operating as a right back and using his physicality, but also his balance and speed to, you know, not get 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 bullied in those uh, wide one-on-one -on -one duels with likes of Vinicius and Rodrigo, it really points to just what an impressive player he has become uh, in terms of his work on the ball, in terms of his aggression, in terms of his intelligence and anticipation. He is a fantastic young center back who I think, you know, given uh, Diego Godin's age, given Sebastian Coates, you know, fairly advanced, not, not so advanced, but um, fairly old age and uh, Jose Jimenez's uh, injury problems. I definitely think he will mark an era in defense for Uruguay. Where do you think he goes as somebody? Do you think he stays at Barcelona or do you think he leaves? I think he stays at Barcelona. Um, anything can happen, obviously, but uh, they 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 need to keep hold of their top assets in central defense with Gerard Pique aging. And uh, overall, I think they will eventually find an agreement uh, to keep him at the club. Let me ask you about something that we briefly spoke about, though, which was early in Holland, because it looks like Holland yep. will go to Manchester City. Um, well, at least that seems to be what the reporting suggests at the moment. I really don't know. Um, that would be a huge transfer for someone like uh, Holland and Manchester City, easily one of the best young strikers in the world. City need a striker. How likely do you think that deal is uh, to happen? I certainly think it's it's more likely than the other options. Um, you know, looking at what other teams would be in the running for him, whether you know, okay, Real Madrid, yes, but but them again, they have to face their financial issues. You know, and the the fact that they are still trying to uh, hold in the spending, you know, under Florentino Perez, um, while also you know reinforcing other areas. I definitely could see them making a, a late push, but if they want to be signing Kylian Mbappe uh, and paying the money that a player of his caliber, you know, costs, I, I just don't think that they will eventually have uh, what it takes to go the distance uh, in this fight with City. Still, still very early, but um, can't see too many other options with with the funds to afford Holland. Bayern, I think they will end up keeping Robert Lewandowski. There's, there's always, you know, these transfer sagas uh, every, every March, but he always ends up saying, I think that that'll be the case. Again, uh, PSG, I don't think there is, I, I don't see a player like Holland going to a league like Ligue 1 um, and joining PSG. Uh, I think that he is a bit more competitive than that. Um, and, and yeah, going to the Premier League, um, I, I suppose Manchester United, but uh, I, I think that he is also a player who is going to demand Champions League football, which frankly does not look that likely next season. Yeah, I was thinking about Bayern, obviously, with the Lewandowski contract situation, but they also signed uh, Ryan Gravenberg. Uh, well, it looks like they're about two for 20, 25 million from Ajax. A uh, very, very good young midfielder. Of course, uh, sounds like to me a bit of a snip. Uh, would you agree with that? 
Sorry, can you repeat that? I was saying Bayern signed Ryan Gravenberg. It looks like they're about to sign Ryan Gravenberg for 25 million. Sounds like a bit of a snip. Uh, sounds like quite cheap. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it does look like a very good bargain. I mean, Gravenberg is a player whose contract is set to expire in 2023. And Ajax, you know, they, they are set to lose two players for free, such as Nusair uh, Mazraoui and Andre Onana. I think that, you know, when a player is, has, has made it clear that he is going to wind down his contract or force a move, you know, I think that Ajax's leverage has certainly been uh, lessened. And it is definitely a great pr- price for Bayern if they can get him at that rate. Um, and, and with regards to, you know, w- will he play much? Mark Roca has been, uh, has, has been linked with a move out, you know, has not played that much under Julian Nagelsmann. Quarantine Toliso is out of contract um, in the summer. And looking at the other options, I think, well, Mikael Cuisance left in the January window. Um, so I definitely think there would be plenty of opportunities uh, for Gravenberch to potentially win a starting spot alongside uh, Joshua Kimmich. We'll be interested to see what happens there. One of the big question marks, of course, surrounds Pablo Dybala. And, of course, his contract is up. You had this refusing to renew it. Uh, I believe he's one of the highest-paid players in Serie A. Also has a big injury record. He's 29, I believe. Uh, what do you think is most likely for his future? Yeah, overall, I mean, Paulo Dybala, uh, it, it feels weird. It, it seems like just yesterday that he arrived at it's already been, um, it's already been what like nine years at, at Juventus so I think he joined in 2015 so yeah seven seven years um absolutely incredible it feels like time has gone by but and and that being said Paulo Dybala has has shown glimpses of his magic of his brilliance but really not on a consistent basis over the past few years and couple that with, you know, his injury issues. I think that it makes sense for Juventus, a club that is in need of a fresh start after, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo's departure and, and loading up on younger players such as Dusan Vlahovic. I think it makes sense for them to, to bulk on his economic demands to place those funds elsewhere um, yeah, overall, Dybala was always going to be a poor fit for Max Allegri's 4-3-3. I don't think it, it's too unsurprising there, but it is a shame because he's a player who, who has left a very good legacy at La Vecchia Signora um, and, and who it feels like they, they could have done uh, a lot more together. I want to ask you uh, before we go about uh, PSG because... Um... I was interviewing a journalist this morning, Parisian-based journalist Jonathan Johnson, about this. It was interesting what he had to say on it. Um, very different views on this, on whether PSG is a manageable football club or not due to the circus that it is and what goes on above them, um, and whether managers are truly responsible for a lot of the circus that happens at that football club. Um, do you feel Pochettino has any responsibility for the circus that is PSG, or do you think no matter who comes in at that football club is always going to have to deal with this? It's going to be a very difficult football club to get right because of how it's run. Uh, just be curious to know what you feel Pochettino's responsibility is for all, in all of this. Look, I mean, this Paris Saint-Germain team, uh, just a few a few months ago, we were calling this potentially the greatest transfer window of all time, bringing in the likes of Sergio Ramos, Atraf Hakimi, Lionel Messi, you know, so much added hype to a team that always 
has that hanging over his shoulder. And frankly, what, what happened was uh, this PSG team proceeded to play arguably their worst football of the uh, QSI era. I mean, and, and that is something that I think more, more than anything comes down to Pochettino in terms of how they play. With that being said, looking at how the roster is, is, is composed, looking at how the club conducts itself, looking at how you know, the, the higher-ups conduct themselves with regards to lower-ranking uh, employees, I think we definitely see uh, the, the cracks start to emerge, you know, where, where we start to see uh, be beneath the glimmer and, and realize what PSG is. And frankly, it's a team that is, that is like Barcelona, fallen into the trap of you know signing these big name players without really finding a way to fit them into a con a coherent strategy um without giving these managers you know a consistent run of of patience you know they are a club who uh, frankly do not have that know-how who do not have that capacity uh to to behave like a champions league winning club yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there also. Uh, what a mess that is between City and PSG, two billion apiece, and they haven't got a European Cup to show for it. Um, Jack, as always, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Uh, I would love to, like to have you back really, really soon. Don't forget, folks, check out this guy's content, check out his uh, Twitter feed, everything else. Well worth it. Uh, thanks for joining me, Zach, and wish you all the best. But, brother, take care. Thank you so much, Phil. Thanks, man.